Hello, I'm Constitutional Attorney Katherine Henry, and thank you for joining me today for our Constitution segment recap for Season 2, Episode 14 of Restore Freedom Weekly. This week, we went over the five most common pre-trial motions. Now, this is just a Constitution segment recap, so to hear that full discussion on all the explanations, etc. Check out that full episode, the link for which is on page two of the slideshow. And the link for the slideshow, as always, is in the description of today's segment. Okay, so the five most common pretrial motions. Why are we discussing this? Well, are you representing yourself in court? Maybe you have an attorney in a case, but you don't have a lot of trust in that attorney for some reason. Well, either way, regardless of the situation, continue learning with our series on self-representation. This week, like we said, we're going to go over, and we did go over the five most common pre-trial motions. So whether your case is civil or criminal, this information will help you be best prepared for trial. As always, you can check out our true or false question of the week. It's available for you to answer from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. on both our YouTube and telegram channels now that's t.me slash restore freedom or youtube.com slash restore freedom to check out those anytime between 10 a.m and 10 p.m on tuesdays so the five most common pre-trial motions whether it's civil or criminal these are the five most common that we see out there number one a motion to dismiss number two a motion to suppress or a motion in limine. Number three, a motion for discovery or perhaps a motion to compel discovery. Number four, a motion to quash a subpoena or a motion for a protective order. And number five, a motion for a more definite statement. Now, on that motion to dismiss, that's going to be one of the most important ones that you can learn about because it's either gonna throw out your case if you are a plaintiff who has done something wrong procedurally, or it can help you win the case if you're a defendant. Um, or there's one rare instance in there where you can actually win uh, on a motion to dismiss um, as a plaintiff as well, but uh, we'll get there. So what is this? This is simply a request that the court dismiss the case or get rid of it, close it out, because there's either been a settlement or a voluntary, a voluntary withdrawal by the plaintiff or the petitioner, or there's a procedural defect, and that is the most common thing. Now, with those procedural defects, what are the main types of things you're looking at? Well, there's 10 main reasons why you might have a procedural defect in a case. Number one, the court lacks jurisdiction over the person or the property. For example, California has no personal jurisdiction over me or my house because I'm in Florida and I've never been in California. I don't want to go to California. I have no business or transactions in California. Number two, the process issued is insufficient. So for example, uh, it's basically the kind of case that it is. If there is, uh, while well, my Ormond Beach case, the process they used was an ordinance violation hearing, but then they were trying to ask the, the special magistrate to give them the authority to come and dig up my papers, take my privacy fence, to take my personal and real property and dispose of it as they see fit. And that cannot be done through that kind of process. That cannot be done through an ordinance violation hearing. Instead, that has to be done through an eminent domain um, situation and so uh it was uh it's invalid process now what about service well in my ormond beach case they also couldn't figure out how to follow the law on serving me correctly and they tried to post it in my yard first and send it by first class mail just throwing a stamp on it instead of uh, waiting for certified mail to get it to me or trying to hand deliver it to me. Those are the two ways the law requires. And so at any rate, there was issues with 
sufficient service of process there. Uh, lack of subject matter jurisdiction. That is my favorite one because no court anywhere can do anything, issue any orders if they don't have subject matter jurisdiction. So for example, a federal bankruptcy judge cannot issue any orders for a divorce case because they have no jurisdiction over that subject. They can only issue orders relating to bankruptcies. Um, Number five, a party asserting the claim lacks the legal capacity to sue. So as I explained it on Tuesday, if uh, Foshan and I have a contract and then Lori wanted to butt in and sue one of us to make sure we're following that contract, she has no standing to sue. She has, she has no bearing on that actual case. Number six, another action has been initiated between the same parties involving the same claim. So if I was suing John Smith, and I had already filed a case for the same exact contract issue against John Smith in the neighboring county, but I thought I would double my chances by filing it in this county. That's a no-go. Uh, you can only have one crack at the apple. Uh, the next one, a release, payment, prior judgment, immunity, statute of limitations, or infancy, meaning uh, you can't sue a child for the issues relating to you know their property because a child doesn't have the capacity to be sued um uh, immunity uh you know when i was serving as an attorney in the state of michigan on november 3rd 2020 and i came to the scene to be legal counsel specifically for people in a situation i showed up as the attorney there's no no dispute about that i was uh there's a state law that says you can't uh you can't arrest an, um, an attorney or, or someone who's uh, serving in government at the time, um, unless it's for treason or one of two other rare circumstances. And so um, I was immune from being arrested, yet they arrested me. So anyway, I brought that issue up. All right. So uh, the opposing party has failed to state a claim upon which relief can be granted. I guess you could say that in um, my Ormond Beach case, they are failing to state a claim uh, upon which relief can be granted because they're claiming that they have the authority to come onto my property and to do a whole bunch of stuff that that's not how ordinance violation hearings work. They're talking about eminent domain kinds of re relief. And so the claim that they are actually raising is not one that relief can be granted for. Um, if though um, it had been a normal, uh, you know, just a two parties, not a government entity, but just two parties to a contract dispute for whatever reason, uh, that there's a, a lawsuit and a defense is is brought forth that really is not a valid defense, that would be the, um, the ninth way that you can challenge and file a motion to dismiss. Because as a plaintiff, you could say, hey, they didn't file a valid defense, so I should win as a matter of law. Well, um, that only works in civil cases. It does not work in criminal cases because a prosecutor always has the burden of proving beyond a reasonable doubt each and every element of an offense, even if the defendant chooses to sit by and say nothing the entire time. Now, number 10, except as to the amount of damages or the dollar amount that would be due, there is no genuine issue about any material facts and the moving party is entitled to judgment as a matter of law. You could see that one also played out in my Allegan County case because we did not disagree about any of the facts. We agreed who was there and what they said and where they were and where things were parked, <laughs> where vehicles were parked. None of the facts were in dispute, but it was the law we were disputing about. So that's why I filed my motion to dismiss under that one as well. The first three that we talked about there have to be raised in your very first motion or response of pleading with the court. If you don't bring them up right away, if you say, hey, California court, 
um, you know, you don't have jurisdiction over me. I'm not there. You don't have personal jurisdiction. You have to raise that right away. If I start answering other doc with other documents and filing other motions first, and then I bring that up, they're going to say, nope, you waive that opportunity. So it's uh, use it or lose it right away for those first three. Subject matter jurisdiction can be brought up at any time, even if you don't even bring it up for the first time until you're on appeal, which is extremely rare. You always have to preserve your issues at the lower court before you can bring them up on appeal except for subject matter jurisdiction. Issues number five through seven have to be raised in your uh, pleadings, your responsive pleadings or whatnot with the uh, with the court before your trial. And eight through 10 can be raised at any time unless the court has issued basically a scheduling order and said that all dispositive motions or motions that can dispose of the case have to be completed by a certain date and that date has passed then you wouldn't be able to file those. Now, where do you look? What are the court rules that are involved here? Well, in Michigan, check out rule 2.116, uh, federal rule of procedure 12B, the Florida rules 1.160 and 1.140. Now, motion to, dis, uh, to suppress or motion in limine, uh, somewhat the same, uh, a little bit overlapping topic, but they're, they're distinct. A motion to suppress is a request that the court uh, prohibit the introduction of any illegally obtained evidence at a criminal trial. So if you have a Fourth Amendment violation in a case, and so there's the fruit of the poisonous tree, uh, and so any photos or testimony or whatever that came out of that illegal search, um, uh, you know, that that's a motion to suppress. So that that evidence doesn't even get brought up in front of a jury. They're not even trying to introduce it as evidence. They're just prohibited right away. Now, a motion in limine is, is similar, but this can be used in civil or criminal cases. And it's a pretrial request that certain in, in, inadmissible evidence cannot even be referred to or brought up or offered at any way at trial. So basically, it could be... Um, about you know a variety of things but if they think there's something that's inadmissible that would be unduly prejudicial that if the jury even hears about it that it's going to make it an unfair trial they're saying to the court please stop the other party from even bringing it up at trial uh, so that would be um, a motion in limine okay a motion for discovery or a motion to compel again they're two different things now, a motion for discovery, well, that's pretty obvious what it is. You're asking the other side to give you the evidence that they have, um, but it may not be needed if court rules or court, uh, excuse me, state law requires the parties to automatically disclose certain information to the other side. But even if you have the automatic right under court rule to receive uh, discovery, you still might need to file a motion to compel that discovery. So whether you've had to specifically request information or whether a court rule automatically requires the disclosure without you having to do anything, you may need to file a motion to compel discovery, which like I said, can be used in a criminal or civil case where the opposing party has failed to provide the required or requested discovery. What rules do you wanna take a look at? Well, Michigan court rule 6.201 or 2.313 and Florida rule 1.280. And there's other ones as well, but check out those first. Now, a motion to quash a subpoena. Uh, and a motion for a protective order. Those are two kind of similar things, but they serve different purposes. Now, a motion to quash a subpoena, that's literally where you're trying to stop um, specifically testimony or whatever the subpoena is for. To, generally, it's testimony from a witness, but whatever the subpoena has been issued for that you're asking the court to undo that subpoena so that that person doesn't have to come or testify or that that, that thing doesn't have to be produced at trial, whatever. 
Um, and a motion for a protective order is typically something that happens more in civil cases, but it's a request that the court protect uh, you from potentially abusive actions. So for example, it could be about trade secrets or maybe private medical information that the other side might need to actually have access to, but that they can't use it um, in a way that would be abusive or release it to the public, but they have to be very careful with that information. And you want to check out Michigan Court Rule 2.506 or Florida Rule 1.280 and others. All right, a motion for a more definite statement. Um, this is a request that the court require the opposing party to amend a vague or ambiguous pleading to which the party cannot be reasonably required to respond. What does that mean? We have due process of law here, right? You can't have your life, liberty, or property taken away without having due process of law. What is the most basic function of that? Having notice of what the claim is and the opportunity to be heard in court on that. So if you have somebody that has sued you, for example, and you have really no idea what they're getting at because their, their complaint against you is so vague, you really don't know what they're alleging you did, then you can't properly defend it. Now that could be in a criminal case too. And we talked about that in some in real life current examples on the criminal side of things where the criminal complaint is worded so that you can't even tell what they're really alleging you did. So how can you properly prepare a defense for that? Um, that would be um, the request for a more definite statement that they have to narrow down and define things a little bit better. Now, if you want some real life case examples, some documents to look at all of these different kinds of motions, check out restorefreedomkh.com uh, slash resources uh, and the case documents option. You'll see the Ormond Beach case. You'll see the Allegan County case. There's other case documents on there as well. And there's a whole bunch more that I plan on putting on there when I have time. I've also included, uh, again, the Give, Send, Go link for our fight against Orm Beach that as that fight is currently ongoing and we will continue having motions and things uh, as we currently have a motion pending in front of the appeals judge right now. If you want any more information on this topic, please check out that full episode from Tuesday, yesterday's way to get involved challenge or tomorrow's freedom fighting tools on Friday. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great day. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe, and share. Restore freedom.